0: Hello and welcome to the Fit to Transform podcast, where you learn how to train and diet effectively and, most importantly, how to maintain those results for life, once and for all. I'm Nikias Tomasiello, a transgender training and nutrition coach working online with anyone who's ready for a true lifestyle transformation, anywhere they may be in the world. As a friendly reminder any and all information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult with your doctor before implementing any changes to your diet and exercise program. With that disclaimer out of the way, thank you for being here. Now grab yourself a cup of tea or pre-workouts and enjoy. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. This is going to be an extremely practical episode it's going to be your one stop shop to learn everything that you need to know in order to track your calories consistently and accurately in order to achieve your goals give this episode a shot even if you already have experience tracking calories particularly if right now you've had a plateau because in my experience the main reason why somebody might encounter a plateau is usually related to either tracking consistency or tracking accuracy. And I am by no means accusing you of not being consistent or accurate consciously. There may simply be some aspects of tracking calories that you're not aware of, that you can learn about from this episode that are going to increase your consistency and accuracy. So at this point, I've said consistency and accuracy a gazillion times. So let's start with which one is more important. Is it consistency or is it accuracy? And as far as I'm concerned, your main priority is to be consistent with tracking your food. Everything that you eat, everything that you drink, literally everything that goes into your mouth, even if you can't be 100% accurate because even when you feel that you are hundred percent accurate accurate you actually aren't first of all calories are only an estimate they are the best estimate that we have of the energy content in the food that we eat however as an estimation there is a margin of error even in the original measurement that was devised by scientists moreover food manufacturers are allowed a margin of error on the nutritional label of the products that they put on supermarket shelves. For example, in America, food manufacturers can be inaccurate by up to 20%, meaning that if the food label states that a portion of that food contains 100 calories, that could be anywhere from 80 to 120 calories. So even if you think that you're weighing everything, that you couldn't possibly be any more accurate, just because of these two aspects of calorie tracking, you're inherently less accurate than you think you are. For that reason, consistency is a lot more important. To be clear, despite the inherent inaccuracy related to calorie tracking, Calories still work. All of my clients can lose fat and gain muscle by tracking calories and always have. I have always gained muscle and lost fat or maintain my weight by tracking my calories. So tracking calories, despite its inherent inaccuracy, still works. I want to be very clear about this. And you do need a degree of accuracy in order for the calories that you're trying to hit to work. What I want to make very clear is that I don't want you to drive yourself insane trying to be 100% accurate with your calorie tracking, because what happens when somebody tries to do that is that if there's one day where they had to eyeball a portion that maybe they ate at a restaurant instead of being able to weigh everything then they go oh fuck this and they don't track for the entirety of that day at all and it's so much better to have less accurate but more consistent data for every single day than having some blanks in your week because a blank could be anywhere from zero to infinite calories. Whereas an inaccurate data entry that says you had a 1000 calories could be anywhere from 800 to 1200 calories. That's a much smaller range to work within. And therefore you're gonna get much better results from having that inaccurate a 1000 calories than from having a completely blank slate on that day. From a psychological standpoint, I'm sure we can all agree that it's not the most inspiring state of mind to constantly criticize yourself because you can't be 100% perfect. If 100% perfection is also not necessary for success, I would argue that you really don't need to adopt that mindset. So in summary, consistency is more important than accuracy. However, accuracy is still important to a certain degree. And that's a segue into my personal guidelines on how to track your food as accurately as you possibly can. First of all, use your food tracking app as a food planner, not a food diary. The difference between a planner and a diary is that with a planner, you're planning for the future. With a diary, you're writing about what's already happened. The problem with using a food tracking app as a diary is that by the time you're logging what you ate, it's already inside you. You can't do anything about it anymore. So if you overshot your calorie target or if you undershot your calorie target for the day, you can't do anything about that problem. On the other hand, if your food tracking app is a planner and not a diary, That means that you're plugging in an idea of what you're going to eat before you actually put that food into your mouth. So if you realize, oh, that has more calories than I thought it would, you can immediately change the portion size or change the food ingredient altogether to pick something that's more in line with your goals at the moment. Nonetheless, we all have different lifestyles and... A pre-planning strategy that might work for one person might not work for another person. So I wrote an entire article on various strategies that you can pick from in order to pre-plan your meals. And I'm going to go through these strategies one by one now. And I'm going to put a link to the article in the show notes so you can refer to that in the future. Now, the first and best option is to plan every single meal of the day in advance, either the day before or in the morning the day of. If that's not possible, the second best option is to pre-plan at least the last meal of your day. Let's say, for example, for most people that's going to be dinner. So you are going to log all of the other meals as you have them and then, In the afternoon, once you've had lunch or once you've had a mid-afternoon snack, if you do that, you're going to look at how many calories you have left for that day and you're going to plan a dinner that's going to fit into those calories and those macros. As you log the other meals on the fly, so to speak, I would recommend logging the food before you put it into your mouth because as i just said a few minutes ago when it's not inside you you still have a choice on whether you want to change that food choice or whether you want to reduce the portion size or whether you want to increase it if you have a goal of gaining muscle or gaining weight for some reason once it's inside of you you can't make that choice anymore so if you if even if you're logging on the fly by Putting that meal into my fitness pal before you actually start eating it gives you some time to make a potential change of plan. Whichever strategy you choose to plan your meals, a simple, time-efficient, and very effective way to do this, which I recommend to all of my clients, is to divide your protein and calories for the day equally among your three main meals. Now, if you choose to have some snacks then I would divide the majority of your calories equally among your three meals and to give yourself a snack budget. For example, if your calorie target is 1500 and you want to have three square meals, that's going to be 500 calories per meal. And if your protein target is 120 grams per day, that's 40 grams per meal minimum. If you also wanted an extra snack, then I would recommend dividing 1,200 calories among the three meals, just for ease of math in this case. I'm not saying you necessarily have to to use these 1,200 calories. Um, you could use fourteen hundreds. It's just that I want to make the math easy for myself right now because 1,200 divided by 3 is 4, and it's pretty easy. It's four hundreds. So you would have three meals of 400 calories, and then your snack budget would be 300 calories this approach has a number of benefits for one having the same calories and protein target for every meal makes it very easy to plan these meals in advance two it makes it easier to make sure that you don't overshoot your calories for the day even if you can't plan your meals in advance because let's say that you're eating out um, or for whatever reason you're eating in a pinch if you have no idea what your per meal calorie or protein target is then you might make a choice that leaves you with 100 calories and 50 grams of protein still to eat for dinner obviously that is not ideal but if you have a per meal targets then you know and you know okay i need 40 grams of protein and 500 calories in this meal and then i'll have 500 calories and another 40 grams of protein left for dinner it is a lot easier to make a choice that's appropriate to your goals lastly even though having the same calories in each meal doesn't necessarily mean the meals are going to look exactly the same in terms of their size, it's much more likely that they will. And there is a benefit to having similarly sized meals throughout the day, at least psychologically, rather than having a massive meal with a lot of calories and then being forced to have teeny tiny meals the rest of the day in order to still hit your calorie targets. In addition, having regular meals and potentially regularly sized meals can provide you with a similar amount of energy at every single meal at regular times, which can help with feeling fuller and keeping your energy levels up, which can make a fat loss phase specifically much more manageable. Now I have two more points to make on the topic of planning. First of all, What is it that you're going to plan if you can plan your meals? Then you can choose between two options. The first option is to start by planning your nutritional priorities, specifically calories, protein, and fiber. And then if you have any leftover calories after you've planned in food choices that enable you to hit your protein and fiber targets without overshooting your calorie target or undershooting it, then you can use those remaining calories for any highly palatable food that you like. A cookie, an ice cream, whatever it might be. Or you can approach this in a different way. If you think that you need this extra palatable snack or palatable food of any sort, because it's going to help you psychologically make the diet more sustainable, it's going to keep you more consistent long-term, then you can preemptively save 10 to 15% of your total calories and start by pre-tracking this extra. So, if you have 1500 calories for the day, 150 calories is 10% of your daily calories. If you know that reserving that calorie budget to some palatable food that you really like is going to help you stay consistent then log that first and foremost for example 150 calories could be a halo top ice cream stick that's usually 90 to 100 calories if i remember correctly so you can log it first and foremost and then hit your nutritional priorities so your calories your protein and your fiber targets and my last point is that the more experienced you become the less pre-planning you're probably going to need to make simply because you'll learn about the caloric and macronutrient content in the majority of the foods that you eat regularly so you will be able to hit your nutritional targets so calories protein and fiber without as much planning work however and so you have this experience, planning will help you make progress more efficiently. So it might feel like planning takes time, but only in the short term, because in the long term, it helps prevent you from hitting plateaus. And if you're hitting plateaus over and over again, you're extending your dieting phase, whether that's for fat loss or for muscle gain or whatever it might be. And so you're, being less efficient over the long term even if you're saving time in the short term because you're not planning. So if you've learned anything so far, is that I 100% recommend planning in advance in some way, whether it's the entire day or just the last meal of the day. My next suggestion, which I've already touched upon, is to track absolutely everything you put into your mouth whether it's solid or liquid, and whether it's quote-unquote good or bad. You can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm using air quotes here. It's so much better to know how many calories you ate than not track them because you feel bad about the kind of food that you ate. As I already said, it's better to have a an inaccurate entry than to have no entry at all and sweep that day under the carpet because you might choose to forget about it, but your body won't forget about the calories that you ate. In addition, this is also a form of exposure therapy. By logging foods that you consider bad over and over again, over time, you will become less sensitive to them and you will start to see them as just food and not as bad choices. Hopefully, I have had several clients who struggled with this in the beginning. And by insisting that they track absolutely everything, it did actually help them to get to a place where they were just logging data. That's how they saw it. They weren't logging bad or good food. Whatever they were logging was not related to their self-worth or to their progress. It was simply another data point that we could reflect upon. Moreover, from a practical standpoint, if you have even inaccurate data, but still data, you can work with that to ensure that across the week, your calorie average falls within the range that you're shooting for. And if you're not sure how to set your own calorie target range, then I highly recommend you listen to episode three of this podcast, episode three in the No Quit Kit series, where I went into detail on how to calculate your calorie targets. Or you can sign up for my free newsletter. And as a token of appreciation for doing that, you're going to get an automated email that's going to welcome you onto the newsletter list and provide you with a download link to a guide a nutrition guide where i also cover how to calculate your calories to maintain weight gain weight or lose weight so you want to track everything regardless of how you feel about it regardless of whether you can be 100 percent accurate with that entry it's all simply data and data is useful to help you progress Now, as I said at the beginning, we do need some degree of accuracy in addition to consistency. So these are my suggestions to increase your accuracy. First of all, track each individual component of the meal as a separate entry whenever possible. For example, if you're having white rice, steak, and broccoli, and you're cooking the steak in some olive oil, You don't want to log beef rice bowl as a single entry. You want to separate each of these ingredients. And when you're logging them, I recommend that if it's available, you start with the uh, brands of each product, the specific name of the product, and then also you want to state whether it's cooked or raw. There is no better choice between cooked and raw What you want to do is, if you weigh the food when it's raw, then you're going to log it as raw. Whereas if you weigh it after it's cooked, you're going to log it as cooked. My preference is to log the food as raw and then include any condiments that you use, like, for example, the oil I've just mentioned, as its own separate entry. However, if you decide that you want to log it as cooked, Still, make sure that you're logging the oil separately. And then whenever you have the same exact food, like the same exact steak, you're going to always log cooked steak instead of raw. Essentially choose between raw and cooked, but then be consistent with that choice every single time if you find it easier to weigh your food after you cook it rather than before you cook it. And as a final point, I've just mentioned weighing because ideally you want to be able to state the weight of that food entry in grams or ounces or milliliters or fluid ounces. If it's a liquid, you don't want to log tablespoons or cups because these aren't standardized units of measurements of measurement. So they're not going to be as accurate. Now there may be products for which you don't have a nutritional label to refer to. For example, if you're having fresh produce like fresh broccoli or a steak that you bought from the butchers, you won't necessarily have the calories stated on the label or the macronutrients. So in that case, what you can do is you can look up that specific products plus an acronym that stands for the National Food Database in your country. For example, let's say that you're looking up broccoli and you're based in America. In that case, you want to look for broccoli USDA. And the entry that you're going to find is going to be taken from the National Food Database of America, which contains the most accurate Calorie and macronutrient information on these food items. If you're based in Australia, you're going to want to do the same, but instead of looking up USDA, you're going to search for nut tub, spelled N U T T A B. So broccoli nut tub. Lastly, if you're in the UK, you want to, to look for broccoli co-fed. Spelled C O F I D. Another question you might ask is What do you do if you're eating out? And I'm going to postpone my answer because I want to do an entire podcast on how to balance following your diet with eating out. And that will include my tips on how to track a food or a meal that you didn't prepare yourself. My next suggestion to increase the degree of accuracy of your tracking is to not eyeball portions. So I've already said that whenever possible, you want to weigh all food items in grams, ounces, milliliters, or fluid ounces, instead of using cups and tablespoons. You also, whenever possible, don't want to completely eyeball the portion because even if you have a great deal of experience tracking food, Eyeballing never works in my experience. You can be off by several hundred grams, and that can make a huge dent in your calorie targets that you didn't account for. However, you might not always be able to weigh food. For example, you could be out and about, and you're not gonna bring your food scale in to with you in your backpack so that you can weigh your banana or your protein bar. Of course not. That would be a little bit weird. Instead, when you're in that situation, you want to use the stated serving size on the nutritional label available if you if you don't have any other option. For example, if you have a protein bar, you're going to have the serving size stated on the wrapper, and often, nowadays, you will also have a barcode that you can scan with your calorie tracking app. And... Scanning the barcode will pull up the nutritional label on the app so you can do that and you can log one protein bar instead of tracking it. What's important is that you're not logging the protein bar as 25 grams when actually most protein bars tend to be 60 grams. So you're you're stating that you're consuming a third of the calories in the protein bar because you couldn't weigh it and you decided to eyeball the portion. Either weigh the food if you can, or use the stated serving size on the nutritional label. Once again, I want to circle back to what I said at the beginning, where I stated that being consistent is more important than being accurate. So as a very last resort, you can eyeball your portions. I'm not saying never, ever do it. I would rather you you didn't track at all. So if you're in a pinch and if there's no other choice, you can eyeball your portion. If you're in a fat loss phase, I would recommend you overestimate rather than underestimate just to be on the safe side. An example scenario you may encounter is that you have a work lunch that you weren't aware of. It was a last minute decision. You need to go. You can't make a plan. There are no calories on the restaurant menu so you have to choose something that you can't weigh and you don't have a nutritional label for in this case of course you're gonna have to eyeball your portion so what i recommend is that you take a picture of the menu so that you have a list of all of the ingredients and you take a picture of the meal itself and then you're going to look up the name of the meal that you take a, took a picture of so you don't forget and you're going to do your best to find a suitable entry in your calorie tracking app. And particularly if you're in a fat loss phase, I recommend that you overestimate by choosing the highest calorie entry that you come across rather than underestimate, just to be on the safe side in terms of your total caloric intake. Lastly, this has less to do with tracking calories from food and more to do with tracking the calories that you expand with exercise and my recommendation is to not eat back any calories that you think you expanded during exercise for example if you use my Fitness pal the app will give you the calories that you supposedly burned during exercise back So if you burn 200 calories supposedly on the treadmill in an hour, it will give you those calories back and tell you that you can eat them and still be in a caloric deficit if that's your goal at the moment. Unfortunately, the calorie burn estimated by any app is highly incorrect based on the scientific evidence that we have available. So I never use that caloric expenditure data when I advise my clients and I recommend that you don't use it either. So don't eat back the calories that you supposedly burn because in most cases you burn much less than you think that you did. What I normally do is instead of using daily data to make daily changes to your caloric intake... I ask my clients to track their physical activity across the week. And then when I have several weeks of data, I can see the average physical activity that they do every single week. I can see how many calories on average they're eating. And I can see in which direction their weight is moving, if it's moving at all. What the body weight changes are going to tell me is whether the client is moving enough and eating enough calories to support their goal or if they aren't. So I essentially use the body weight data to guide my decisions on whether I recommend an increase in activity or a decrease and or a decrease in food or an increase in food, depending on the client's goal. I don't make daily changes based on that one workout where the app told the client that they burned 200 calories. So I suggest that you also do the same for best results. These are all my suggestions for this episode. So as a quick recap, consistency is more important than accuracy, but we still need to do our best to be accurate. For example, you don't want to log one tablespoon of peanut butter because when you're logging a tablespoon, what the app is logging is 15 grams of peanut butter, which is the equivalent of a non heaped tablespoon. Now, how many people level their tablespoon of peanut butter? Hopefully no one, because that is a sad life. My point being that your tablespoon of peanut butter is likely going to be 20 to 25, maybe even 30 grams of peanut butter. So you could be consuming up to twice as many calories as you think you are. And that's why we do want a certain degree of accuracy and we don't completely ignore accuracy. However, we don't want to become so anal about being accurate that we have entire blank days because that would come at the expense of consistency. And with blank days, then we can't really make decisions. We don't know if you're making progress because we're lacking data. Recommendation number two, you want to plan your meals so that at least one meal of the day is planned before it gets inside of you. That's the most important thing. Until it's inside of you, you can still make changes to hit your goals. Number three, you want to track everything, regardless of whether you feel that it's a good or bad choice and regardless of how accurate you can be with tracking it. And speaking of being accurate, you want to do your best not to eyeball portions. If that's the only option you have, that's fine. But ideally, you would either weigh your ingredients for each meal and log them as a separate entry so you log each one as its own separate entry, or you would use the barcode on the wrapper or the stated portion size on the nutritional label. Hopefully, these tips help you become more consistent and accurate with your tracking so that you can see better results from your efforts, but also, hopefully, they help you let go of a perfectionistic mindset, if that's something that you're struggling with, because I promise you, that's what's holding you back. It's not how many calories you're eating or how much activity you're doing. It's the fact that you're being too perfectionistic that's holding you back because you're not being consistent enough to see results. because when you feel that you're not being perfect, then you just stop doing what it is that you're doing all altogether. And obviously that means that your consistency is less good than it could be and less good than it needs to be for you to see results. So that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. As always, any resource that I mentioned will be linked in the show notes. And that's where you'll also find a link to my application for one-on-one online coaching if you're interested. Just so you know, right now, I'm only taking on a small number of clients because I'm almost at capacity. So if you're interested in working with me, don't delay. Thanks for lending me your ear for a time today and I'll speak to you next time. Lastly, if you want to support the podcast and help me reach more people, please leave a five-star rating or review on any podcast platform that you're using. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.